This morning, we are continuing our series in the book of Colossians, and we find this guy named Paul, who many believe is the author and the writer of the book, and he says some very unsettling words in chapter one. Paul was a follower of Jesus. In fact, he had fully committed his life for the sake of the gospel. And he says this in Colossians 1, verse 24. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Six words, I am glad when I suffer. These are words I have never, ever communicated to anyone on this planet, nor have you, or you're crazy, all right? I'm certain those words have never come out of my mouth. Now, there's a few things that were happening here. Either Paul was mental, right? Like something's going on, like he's a, a lunatic, he's delirious, like there's something going on like we just can't see. And, and then here's the other note of this is Paul's actually in prison when he's writing these words. Like this, is, this accelerates it, right? Or Paul's just, maybe he's one of those people that really doesn't have a scope of reality, like everything's positive. You know, like your house is burning down and you're like, oh, it's okay. Like, no, it's not. Like all your stuff is burning down. Or maybe Paul is tapped into this outside source that's giving him an internal power that can't be seen on the external. I believe this, that Paul was able to write those words because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When God's presence takes over in our lives and we're able to do things beyond our comprehension and we're able to see things through a different lens and communicate things through a different narrative, this is what we call a spirit-empowered moment. A few weekends back, my family and I decided to take a trip trip to one of our favorite places on planet Earth right now, Branson, Missouri. Those are words I thought I would never say either. <laughs> we love Branson because it doesn't involve airplanes or long car rides, and it has everything that our little family of five enjoys. I have three boys, seven, six, and four. Please pray for me. And we're, it's, it's three hours to Branson and three hours back, typically. But we're on our way back. Again, this is Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, all right? Saturday, Memorial Day weekend. We're two hours and 15 minutes on our return trip to Tulsa, 45 minutes away from home. And we're like five seconds from the big McDonald's overpass that goes over the highway. You've been there. If you travel to Missouri, you've driven under it. It's awesome. And my wife looks to the back of the van and she says some very unsettling words. And it's my son, Noah. I, my, some of my, a lot of my stories are always involved Noah for some reason. And she says, Noah, where are those cards I gave you? And he goes, oh, I, I hid them. You hid them? Yeah, where did you hide them? I, I hid them under the tic-tac-toe board. Like the tic-tac-toe board two hours and 15 minutes away in our condo in Branson? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, did you tell anybody? Well, I thought I told you, Mom. Tab, no, you, you didn't tell me. You, you didn't let me know that. So I'm like, Tab, um, what cards are we talking about? She's like, well, uh, my driver's license. 
And she's a little hesitant to tell me, of course. I'm like, your driver's license, you mean that thing that you need to take our boys everywhere? Yes, all right? I'm not glad in this moment, all right? Come on now. And I'm like, well, what other cards? And she was like, well, uh, you know, our, our, uh, um, our, our main credit card. Like our credit card that has all our bill pays associated with it, like that we, like that's how we live our lives. Uh, uh, yes. Um, what, what was the third card? Um, it, it was your business credit card. My business credit card, like that I used to like run my entire business. Yeah, babe, um, th- those were the cards. Um, and, and so what do I do? I pull over on the side of the road and I power up my laptop and I, you know, thank God for the gift of technology as I freeze these babies. Nobody's spending my money without my permission, right? So I lock them down. We go to McDonald's. We can't buy anything because we have no means to do so, right? But we use the bathroom and we, and I have a decision to make. Do we turn around and drive two hours and 15 minutes back to Branson in the condo, not knowing if that little four digit code is going to work or somebody else is going to be in that condo now, enjoying their time in Branson? And so I make the decision of we're going to continue on home for 45 minutes. I I get on the phone and I'm calling the Airbnb. Remember, it's Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. You weren't working, were you? I sure wasn't. And so somebody picks up and I begin to explain my situation. And she was like, yeah, sir, uh, there's just no way. Like, you're going to have to mail this form. I'm like, mail a form? She's like, yeah, that's our policy and procedures. I'm like, oh man, this is 2022, awesome. You know, mail a form, come on now. And I'm like thinking like, this is gonna be weeks before like I get these cards back. And I'm like, I need these cards today, like tonight. So we get home, it's three o'clock. Tabby's brother had gone to Branson with us and his girlfriend. And so they had flown into Tulsa, drove my car to Branson and they had come back early because they live in Houston and they had to catch their flight. And so he had gassed up my car, washed it and it's sitting in my driveway waiting for me when I get to my home. And so I unload the car, I'm in Tulsa 15 minutes and I turn around and head back to Branson because I'm getting these cards tonight, one way or another. I still didn't have a yes, okay? I'm still working out the details on the phone and I'm on my way back to Branson. I'm an hour into the trip, two hours away before I get a yes that, oh yeah, we'll, we'll help you. We'll figure this out. The little girl on the phone, or the woman on the phone, I, I said, uh, do you live in Branson? And she says, yes, sir. And I was like, would you like to make some money tonight? Legally, right? I'll meet you anywhere. I'll meet you anywhere if you can get these cards for me. She's like, sir, I don't know if I can help you. I'm like, well, somebody can. Like, who's the owner of this business? That's who I want to talk to. Who's the owner of these condos? I want to talk to them. So finally, they say, yes, I drive. I I pull into Hollister, Missouri at 6 p.m., and I go and I look, they, they had agreed to put my cards, my wife's cards, under the doormat of their place of business. And I get down and I lift that doormat up and there's something magical in there, underneath there. There's a white envelope and it has my wife's driver's license. It has our main credit card and my business credit card. And I'm like, thank you, God, for the gift of human sacrifice today. All right? And I got those cards and I drove back to, to, 
to Branson, but I, I, or to Tulsa, but you know what? That, that wasn't like the most pleasant experience for me, right? The only thing pleasant about that whole thing is I didn't have my children in the car with me on the return trip to Branson and back. <laughs> it's the reality of it. But every time I sit with the book of Colossians, the words begin to reshape my mind and my heart and my life. And our task is this, is to bend our worlds toward the glistening light of God, what he reveals to us through Christ. You see, Paul's sufferings are to be understood in some strange sense as not his own, but Christ. His preaching and his teaching are God's means of accomplishing that which he wants to do in and through us and in the world through Christ. You see, Paul's hard work is accomplished only and in through Christ's work in him. Let's go back one verse, verse 23. And Paul is communicating in the book of Colossians chapter one, and he refers to himself as a servant and a minister of God. Being a servant of King Jesus involves suffering. It involves sacrifice. It's the way of the path. Is serving, let me, let me ask you this this morning. Is serving an option in the kingdom of God, yes or no? Come on, you like, you, I'm asking you a question. Come on, yes or no? It's a, it's a no, all right? It's essential. The fact that you're still here is saying that, man, you're, you're here for a reason. Ephesians chapter two says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God wants something more out of your life. I know Trey and Vivian, they're sitting in the service and they're, they're not people that like to like get up here and glow and be on a stage and make videos, but God is using them in ways that are beyond their comprehension, ways that they ever, that they probably never imagined, but it's his power at work in them. You see, he goes on in verse 25, he says, I become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end... I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I believe Paul recognized something. He recognized that his personal role was much more and part of this larger whole that God wanted to do in him. His sufferings and his sacrifices were for the sake of the gospel and for other believers so that the expansion of the church would go forth. It's our same goal and objective today. And I believe this, I believe Paul was able to write those words because he had learned to embrace a sacrificial life and suffering. You see, giving our lives for the sake of Christ will require sacrifice and suffering. That this world, the, the friends 
that you hang out with, the people that you work with, they're gonna look at you and be like, that doesn't make sense what you're doing. That doesn't make sense how you're responding to this situation. How are you to do that? You see, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. He didn't say this. Blessed are those who are pushy, <laughs> obnoxious, and weird. I guarantee you, I was a little pushy on the phone, 100%. And, and, and probably, I'm sure I kind of ramped up the obnoxious part just a hair. Why? Because I had to get those cards to that day. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get them. But we have to make sure that no matter what and no matter who, we're still operating in love and grace, no matter what. With the reality of this, even when you do that, even when you operate in grace and love, you're still going to get hammered. You're still going to get hammered. Does anyone remember where Paul was when the light came down from heaven and he heard the voice of the Lord? Where, where was he? You remember? He was on the road to Damascus. And he goes on to the city of Damascus and the Lord speaks to another servant, Ananias. He says, I want you to go to, uh, the, to go visit Paul on the street called Straight in the house of Judas. And he says this, I want you to go for he is a chosen vessel of mine and, 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 bear, and he's to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. And listen to this, he goes, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. Those are things that we, we don't want to talk about. Those are things that we really don't want to embrace. Why? Because it's really difficult. What does it look like to live a sacrificial life for King Jesus? What does it look like to be and live daily as a servant of Jesus? We find some of these sufferings that Paul went through in 2 Corinthians, it, it's intense. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I, I received some lashes from my parents growing up. I don't know about you, but what, I, I don't think it was 39. I blacked out. No, just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Clearly, this is a spirit-empowered reference. You would be humanly insane to go through this and say, oh, I'm, by the way, I'm glad when I suffer. No. Unless you were utterly committed to King Jesus. There's no way that you would do that. You wouldn't follow him in that way. 
You see, it's not a what, it's a who. The reality is this, is many of us are committed to causes, but we rarely commit our lives to people. And if you really haven't come to know the love of God for you, it's not worth the sacrifice. It's not. But if you have come to know the love in that way, if you've experienced the revelation of God that transform you, it's totally with it, worth it. It's a complete paradigm shift. It's an upside down kingdom. So why do we read the book of Colossians? It's this, to hear from God in order to become more like Christ. So many of us in the room, we're, we're a lot alike because we crave comfort. And I don't know if you're like me, but man, when I get in uncomfortable situations, I'm looking for ways to get back to comfort as quickly as possible. But what if, what if we paused in that moment and we did something a little bit different and we said, God, what are, what are you up to? What are, what are you up to here? Is there something that you want me to do? Is there somebody that you want me to love? Is there somebody that you want me to give grace to? Is there somebody that you want me to strenuously contend for? In order for you and I to be shaped in the image of Jesus, it cannot be all positive experiences. It can't be. That's not how we learn. That's not how we grow. In fact, I'm, I'm going to give you some strong cautions here. I, I tell couples this. Tabby and I, my wife and I do a lot of premarital coaching. And I tell couples, you should never use the word never. You should, you should use the word never here, all right? Never go looking for suffering or brokenness. It will find you, <laughs> okay? It will find you. It's part of the path. It's part of laying down our rights for Jesus. Our hope should to be, to be as obedient as humanly possible. It's, it's not a matter of following Jesus. It's not a, a one and done decision. It's a decision that we choose all day long, hour after hour after hour. I love this prayer by St. Valer of Moscow. He wrote this in the 1700s. He says this, it's beautiful. Oh Lord, grant me to greet the coming day in peace. Help me in all things to rely upon your holy will. In every hour of the day, reveal your will to me. Bless my dealings with all those who surround me. Teach me to treat all that comes to me throughout the day with peace of soul and the firm conviction that your will governs all. In all my deeds and words, guide my thoughts and feelings. In unforeseen events, let me not forget that all are sent by you. Teach me to act firmly and wisely without embittering or embarrassing others. Give me strength to bear the fatigue of the coming day with all that it shall bring. Direct my will, teach me to pray. Pray you yourself in me, amen. There's a couple people that wrote a book called The Critical Journey and it's stages in the life of faith. It's, an, it's a paradigm that they put together, a great tool. In stage one, we have this recognition of God. 
That's where what we call salvation occurs, where we meet God for the first time. We have this awareness of our need for God. In stage two, we move on to this life of discipleship. It's a learning life. We grow together in a, in a group. That's why we talk about microchurches all the time. Is if, you're, you're not, if you're not in a group, you can't get to where God wants you to go. You can't do that on your own or just with your spouse. Men, you need other men. Women, you need other women. We grow together to look more like Jesus in community. And we become more secure in our faith. Stage three is this. It's what we call the productive life. Many of you in this room are in this phase, a life of doing for God, giving back to God, making a contribution to the community. We have this desire to achieve something for the kingdom. Peter says this to Jesus. He says, I'll do anything for you. But here's what we have to be careful of is if we stay in this stage too long, we begin to think that God needs us instead of us needing him. And here's the reality of of people that attend church all over the globe is they're in stages one, two, and three. That's where we live and we camp out and we don't typically move forward to the next stage, which is the journey inward. So rediscovery of the unknown, it's seeking directions, not answers. Mystics call this the dark night of the soul. It's Paul after Damascus. We say things like, man, you may hear people say this, and and, and Matt and I, if you've been in church work very long, you hear people say this, and I hear people say this, whether they're in stage three or four, is they like, man, I I don't know if I, I belong here anymore. My church isn't feeding me anymore. I I hear that. And then we hit a wall of discouragement. We hit a wall of our inability to trust without answers. We hit a wall of resistance to walking in childlike faith. And we begin these struggles that are really tough to overcome as as we have this overconfidence or we have this frantic effort of like, man, I've got to do all this stuff in order to move to the next stage. We experience guilt and shame all over again, and we begin to overthink, and it, it doesn't work. Stage five is the journey outward as we begin to focus on others, not on ourselves. It's all about being with Jesus not doing for him. We have this full trust in God. In fact, if you're in the productive life stage, if you were to hang out with somebody in stage five, you may look at them and go like, man, they are so lazy. They don't do anything but pray and just sit around and trust God. You see, because when you're in stage five, you're not looking to be seen or known. You do things in secret not to be praised by man, but you do things in obedience unto King Jesus. That's it. Stage six, a life of love, is we begin to look for God everywhere we go. We live in this joyful and total obedience unto Jesus, and we reflect his nature, and our our relationships are mediated through God's love. You see, if we're not careful and we get stuck in those first three stages, we just go from church to church, to church, and we turn into a consumer instead of a disciple. The reality is this, is many of us 
look for encounters with God in order to take us into the next level. And it's not an encounter. It's about just simply sitting and being with him. It's about trust. It's about being patient. He will lead you. He'll get you there. You see, there's a cost to spiritual maturity. If you're a busy person, I I want you to hear this more than anything else today. I'm about to rock your world. You need to slow down and do less for God. Let me repeat that, because you're like, "Did, did he just say that? You need to slow down and do less for God. It's not about doing more. It's about being obedient. You see, greatness in the Bible is those who give away their life for others. Physical growth is automatic. (laughs) It's going to come. Spiritual maturity, though, is a choice. Spiritual maturity has a cost. You will experience suffering and have to make a sacrifice. You see, real transformation doesn't happen at Disneyland. It's not about an experience or an encounter. It's transformation happens at Calvary. There's a cost to being mature in an immature world. There's, you know, it always amazes me because when the saints were alive, they they persecute them and they make fun of them. But as soon as they die, they praise them. They're like, man, weren't they amazing? That was unreal what they did. You see, our natural bent is to eliminate any suffering in our lives. But maturity will always come through the way of sacrifice, the way of suffering. Colossians 1.29 says that we are to strenuously contend for others. What does that mean? I, I, I don't know. But here's what I do know is God releases a supernatural energy when you contend for others spiritually. When you step up and you give your life away for others, God steps up and he does something supernatural that I can't even explain to you today. God's divine power meets us in the process. But the question for you and I is this. It's a difficult question we have to wrestle with. How spiritually mature do you wanna be? How spiritually mature do you want to be? Because we have to commit to it. Many of us have vision for our lives. We have visions for things that we want to accomplish, vision for things that we want to do, but we lack vision for our soul. You need a vision for your soul. You know what our vision should be? My vision for the future is this, to spiritually mature. That's it. (laughs) Mature into the image of Jesus. That's why I'm here. Hebrews 6 says that we're to look beyond the elementary teachings and be transformed into maturity. But here's the reality. Here's three things why we fail to move, to move forward and move on. Is the first one is this, is but we just get discouraged. My wife and I were sitting in our home Friday night with our microchurch and people began to share. And I just looked around the room and I began to think, man, they're discouraged. They can't see past this. It's it's controlling and owning their entire world. They're discouraged. They don't even know if they can trust again. They don't even know if they want to trust again because it's difficult. The second one is this, is we get distracted. Have too many things coming at us. We're trying to go too fast. 
and we get distracted. We take our eyes off of Jesus. Third one is this, is disobedience. It amazes me. I, I, I think my kids just get up in the morning and they're like, I cannot wait to disobey. It is the life that I live, the life that I choose. I mean, it fascinates me. I, I don't have to encourage them in that. They just do it. You see, God will never make you spiritually mature with disobedience in your heart. It won't happen. Ephesians 2 says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Here's the reality. You can change churches, you can change jobs, you can change cities and relationships, but you will never mature spiritually until you open your heart fully unto God. It will not happen. The next relationship will not get you there. The next city will not get you there. The next church will not get you there. You will hit the wall and you will circle back around and hit the wall again and go to the next church. I hear it all the time. I was no longer being fed. Maybe that wasn't about the church. Maybe God was wanting you to pause and say, God, what are you up to in my life? Is there something you're wanting to teach me here? Jesus was so fascinating. As he went and he found these teenage fishermen to disciple. I don't know about you, but, and I apologize if you're a teenager in the room, no disrespect, but like all the things that I've started in my life, I haven't gone looking for teenagers to help me start it. <laughs> Neither of you. But that's what Jesus did. Maybe that's been my problem all along. I, I guess it is. I'm going to build my church on these guys. And then what does Jesus do? Halfway through, he takes off. You guys are good. I'm out of here. Good luck. I'm so thankful for St. John of the Cross as he puts together this process of maturity. I'm gonna take you through it this morning. He says this, number one, you have to study the life of Christ. In order to be spiritually mature, you have to study the life of Christ. You have to meditate on his teachings. This is a difficult question. I'm asking myself this this morning. How much time did you spend in the Gospels this past week? We have to study the life of Christ. We have to pursue the motives in which he did it. Jesus had a love for his father. I was sitting with my wife at Chick-fil-A this week and we were having a conversation and, and I looked across the table at her and I said, what are our motives here? Because they weren't pure. Like our, our motives were to find out some information that we wanted to know. That, that was the reality of it. 
We all do that. We have to welcome spiritual resistance. Jesus said, you're blessed when you're suffering for me, when you're strenuously contending for others. You're not blessed when you're being pushy, obnoxious, and weird, trying to get your cards back from the lady in Branson. We have to reject being the center. This is difficult. The goal is to keep Christ at the center. As a servant of King Jesus, your natural response is to serve. Christ came to help those in need. The reality is this. All of us are gonna have lots of opportunities to strenuously contend for others because we're getting ready to move four or five blocks up the road to a very transient area. It's gonna be messy. It's gonna be beautiful. And it's gonna look a whole lot like Jesus. And I can't wait. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna put me out of my comfort zone. It's gonna cause me to give time where I don't wanna give time and do things I don't wanna do. Christ came to serve those in need. The, the, the last one is this, is we have to embrace mystery. You don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, you're, you're never gonna figure it out. Because the moment you think that you do, God has something else that he wants to reveal to you. Through his mysterious plan. And so we have to wrestle with that this morning. How mature, how much, how spiritually mature do you want to be? I, I can't answer that for you. You see, Jesus wants you to meet him this morning and give you fresh faith and encouragement. Why are we here? Why, why, why are we all here? Matthew 28 gives us a beautiful picture. It's called the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples with the word of God, with scripture, to obey the commands I've given you. We're to share those with others to strenuously contend. And I love this. He says, and be sure of this, no matter what, no matter who, no matter where I ask you to go, that obnoxious person that you don't even like, <laughs> strenuously contend. Be sure of this. I am going to be with you always. This is why you're here. This is what you've been called to do. How does this mystery happen? I, I, I don't know. It happens one person at a time. It's one yes at a time. It's one person saying yes to a life of serving King, King Jesus. Paul put it all on the line for the sake of the gospel. What does that look like for you and I? I don't know, but I can tell you this. We can lean into prayer and we can ask God, what does my next yes look like? And he will speak. And then you and I have an opportunity to obey or not. <laughs> I'm really good at saying not today, not right now. I've, I've got a lot to do. I want my yeses to outweigh my noes. 
That's the life that I wanna live. I wanna follow through in obedience unto King Jesus. There's a lady by the name of Mother Teresa who gave up her life and she lived among the poor and the destitute in Calcutta, Calcutta, India. She was an Albanian Roman Catholic nun who started this organization called Missionaries of Charity. Unbelievable, the work that she did and the sacrifice that she made. In fact, if you were going to be a part of the organization, you had to take a vow of chastity. Come on, somebody, you ready to sign that? Sign up for that? Poverty, obedience, and there was a fourth vow that you were to give wholehearted free service to the poorest of the poor. Nobody's signing up for that in this room. Very few. But they asked Mother Teresa, why would you do that? Why, why would you give up your life? Why would you live among the poor and the destitute? Your entire life, she eventually became known as Saint Therese of Calcutta. And she looked at the person in the interview and she says these beautiful words. She said, the good Lord called and I said, yes. The good Lord called and I said, yes. Wow. What if we made that our prayer? What is God calling you into right now? What is the step of obedience that he's asking of you? How mature do you really wanna be? It's gonna take sacrifice and suffering to get there. It's not all positive. Go read 2 Corinthians 11 and remind yourself of the things that Paul went through. There was something going on inside of him, a spirit empowerment that we can't see. And you see it in other people and you're like, how in the world are they doing that? It's because of Jesus. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me this morning. grab your communion elements if you have them. But before we do that, I, I just want to pray for you. And that God would help us every day in moments of frustration, in moments of inconvenience, in moments of when we're with people that honestly we don't even like. It's a reality. Like, I, I don't like this person. They are incredibly annoying. Maybe God is asking you to hit pause and say, I, I wanna do something here. I wanna use you here. If you just be patient and trust me, and I, I'm gonna lead you if you say yes. I'll lead you, I will empower you. I will show you every step as you're stepping, as you're moving towards me. Father, thank you for your word and your truth. God, I thank you for the life of Paul. 
And God, I pray that we would make our lives about maturing, that we would get a vision for our soul to spiritually mature. God, that we would strenuously contend for the life of others, even when we don't want to, even when it's very uncomfortable. And we're, we're busy, we got things to do that we would just hit pause. And God, that you would remind us it's not about doing more for you. It's not about being busy. It's about slowing down to be with you. That way I can hear from you and say yes to you and your leading. God, help us to say yes to you. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every week at City Church, we typically close with taking communion together. And this morning, you should have received some elements when you walked in, and in, in those is a wafer and some juice. This wafer represents Christ's body, Jesus' body, that he gave up for you and I so that we could have life beyond this life, so that we could have peace and freedom found in and only through him, only through him, so that we could embrace suffering and a sacrificial life that doesn't make sense to anybody else. He gave up his life for you and me. And we take communion every week to recenter our hearts and our minds to King Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken Jesus as your Lord. This morning, I wanna invite you to do that as we take communion this morning. The Bible tells us that all we have to do is believe in him. And he wants to come in and be the ruler of your life, to guide you by his spirit. And if that's you this morning, I, I want you to take Jesus with us today. Let's take his body together this morning, together. The juice represents his blood that he shed when he sacrificed his life for you and I. Let's take together. Father, we thank you for the greatest sacrifice that anyone has ever given. As you gave up your one and only son for us. God, we're so grateful. God, let us never forget that. And God, help us to move deeper, to take a step towards you today, to become more spiritually mature. God, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen, amen. I wanna say thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, we would love to connect with you. Once you 
go through these double doors at the bottom, uh, you'll, you'll see a big orange sign that says the welcome room. And uh, if you just take a moment to swing by there, Pastor Matt uh, will be in there and he would love to personally thank you for being our guest today. We also have a gift for you uh, and, and your honor today. And so we don't want you to leave here without that. Uh, if you've never been to dinner with the staff, we would love to have you uh, next Monday night. That's not tomorrow night, it's next Monday night, all right? Uh, lots of different ways to say that, but uh, I get that. But look on cc.guide, you can get signed up there. And uh, we'd love to uh, feed you and just talk to you about the, the backstory of City Church and ways that you get plugged in around here. Hey, every weekend we do something at the end of our service is uh, we close out with our mission. And, uh, and so if you're here for the first time, you'll see the words on the screen and let's say it together this morning and go live it out wherever you are. See you guys.